Welcome to This Just In, the show bringing you the latest advancements in healthcare, strategy, innovation, and public policy. And now, for the fastest voice in healthcare, here's your host, Justin Barnes. Thank you for tuning in and welcome to This Just In. I'm your host, Justin Barnes. In these segments, I'll bring the latest advancements in healthcare, strategy, innovation, and public policy. As always, we're broadcasting from the This Justin Studios on the Business Radio X Network, as well as the Healthcare Now Radio Network. For this episode, my 248th episode, we have a great, insightful, and first-time guest, Justin Norton from GSR Ventures. Welcome to the show, Justin. Justin, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. You got it, my friend. Um, so where are you calling in from today? I'm calling in from San Francisco, where it is cloudy and overcast. Very cool. I actually lived in... Um, I lived in Palo Alto for a year back in the dot-com boom. And then um, I moved to uh, just below the Bay Bridge. Um, in, uh, and I was trying to think of the street that I was on. I remembered it for the longest time. And now I can't, uh, I can't pull it forward. But, um, but anyhow, where in the city are you? Uh, I'm right in Mission Bay. So it's right where all the, the biotech is by UCSF. Yeah. And about a block away from the, the brand new Chase Center for okay. the Warriors. Very cool. Very cool. Um, so since my audience has not heard your voice before, where'd you grow up, attend college, all that good stuff? Perfect. I'll start from the beginning. Please. So I, I grew up in Seattle, um, where got to go come up under, you know, seeing Microsoft, seeing what that looked like with technology, seeing what growing a big company could be. Ended up going to college out at Carleton College in Minnesota. I actually went there to play Ultimate Frisbee, which in hindsight is a little bit crazy, uh, but was able to do what I needed to do academically, studied computer science and got my pre-med requirements done. Ended up going out to, to Cambridge um, in England, yeah. doing a master's in computational biology, focused on machine learning and genomics. And then, you know, finally finished up uh, doing my medical degree uh, and MBA at Stanford. Phenomenal. Well, actually, the... the um... Ultimate Frisbee is not too far of a stretch for me just because I went to uh, a five college exchange in Massachusetts, Amherst, Mass, and Hampshire College is one of the colleges in my in my group, and they had Ultimate Frisbee as one of their classes. And so we talked about that. I did not take it, but I certainly uh, knew about Ultimate Frisbee during this college year. So it's awesome. Absolutely. So um, where does your passion for healthcare come from? You became an MD, you know, a doctor, but, you know, where did that passion originate from? Yeah. So, you know, like many who end up choosing to go into medicine, you know, I'd grown up actually in a family of physicians. I had physicians on my mom's side, although she was not. And my father actually was also a physician. Uh, so I got to see from an early age, you know, what that meant taking care of someone, what that meant diving into the science, what that meant being curious about how the body works, about how things come together. Um, and so while that was present from early on, you know, it wasn't until college when you actually, you know, get a little bit more exposure, you know, spent some time in the hospital, spent some time in the ED, uh, shadowing, doing some volunteering, and then deciding, yes, you know, this is where I want to be. This is where I want to spend time. Um, and then actually spent some time um, at the NCI out in Bethesda in, in Maryland, where I, I got to see, okay, this is what science looks like. This is what you know, more intense patient care looks like mm -hmm. and said, hey, this, this is for me. Um, and I think that was really from the healthcare side, I think like so many others. I think what was a little bit different about my own story 
was again, starting back from growing up in Seattle, I just had this interest in technology and seeing what was possible. You know, because I got to go to a liberal arts school and I got to study computer science during my undergrad, by the time I got to med school, it was, hey, I know there's another way to do things. I know there's a way to automate things. Yes. I can see what technology can do. And you know, that was in my, my personal statements for medical school. I wanna combine technology and healthcare because I know there's a better way to get care to everyone. That's phenomenal. I love it. Very cool. Um, so tell us about GSR Ventures a little bit. I, this is newer to me. And, and as we're talking off air, I have not had a, um, you know, a venture fund or a private equity fund join the show in probably a year now. So this is extremely timely for me and for us and for my audience. Um, but tell us a bit about your, uh, your company and also your investment thesis. Absolutely. So at GSR Ventures, we're actually a team of physicians, former entrepreneurs, engineers who fundamentally share the same belief that technology can change how we're delivering healthcare or making healthcare possible today. Um, we have a little bit over three and a half billion dollars under management and focus on early stage investing, meaning seed through series B investments in, in health technology. So that, that equates to roughly 100,000 to up to $100 million checks. And what we're focused on health technology, it's almost easiest to start with what, what we won't do. Mm -hmm. you know, we, we won't do traditional biotechnology uh, where we're developing assets. We won't do traditional medical devices where we're planning to build a company and sell it to one of the big med device players. We're really looking for companies trying to take a new technology or emerging technology and go after a really thorny problem in healthcare. And we're not looking for 10, 20% QI improvements. We're really looking for two times, three times, 10 times, if not a hundred times improvements over the status quo. You know, these are the big shots that can fundamentally change how we're delivering healthcare. And that's what gets us really excited. So a few examples of companies and areas we've looked at, we've played in the decentralized clinical trial space. You know, seeing that we can do trials in a new way. Mm -hmm. We've uh, made investments in uh, asynchronous telemedicine platforms. So not just one-to-one -one video chats with the doctor, but how do you kind of really build in kind of asynchronous communication and AI into those systems? We've done things in digital therapeutics. How do you deliver software truly as FDA-approved, validated medicine? Um, all areas that get us very excited. Wow, that's very cool. I didn't. Uh, that's a that's a large fund. You guys have a lot, a lot, a lot. You have a lot, a lot under management. So that's terrific. Um, what are some of the um, spaces that you're excited about today, or without you know showing too much of your playbook? But what do you um you know what do you see out there maybe in the next year or two that you think is a very fast evolving or an exciting spot corner of healthcare or health IT? Absolutely. Well, yeah, I think you know especially if we go over the past few years, you know. A lot of people have gotten excited about digital health and, and health IT. You know, lots and lots of investor dollars have flown into the space and all sorts of areas. Um, you know, one of the areas where I still think there hasn't been enough focus and where I'm actively looking today is companies targeting Medicaid. Mm. You know, this is an area that you know, we all know there's always been a huge clinical need. But I think what's fundamentally changed in the past few years is we're starting to see plans adopt digital technologies. We're starting to see plans sign with startups in a way that was really inconceivable a, f a few years ago. And, you know, today, you know, if you look at Medicare Advantage, 
you know, there's been more than $20 billion raised in startups targeting, trying to attract members where you know, we know there's a different market. Yep. Uh, and, on the, and on the other side, you know, we have Medicaid where there's been almost a very few billion and a half dollars or so um, raised by startups focused on these populations. Mm. And here there's also, you know, there's no pushback. In Medicare Advantage, you have all the big plans pushing, trying to get these patients on board. And in Medicaid, you really have, you know, almost a, a lack of people, you know, trying to treat these patients, trying to take advantage. And, and then this is the perfect opportunity where technology can fundamentally deliver care at a lower cost, which is what we need if any business is going to succeed with the Medicaid population. So that that's one big area we're excited about. Absolutely. Are you from um, familiar with Anish Chopra, by chance? Do you know yeah. Anish? Okay. Yeah. He's not. I mean, he's he's in a, he's in a. Uh, you know, a broad space, but he's just someone when you met, when you talk about that, he's tackling that from a different, per, well, a little bit different perspective, but I mean, just the money that's being invested in, and also in Medicaid, when you look at the expansion, you know, and obviously uh, almost every corner of the country, um, I completely agree with, uh, you know, with your thoughts there, but he's just, he's somebody that I always love to collaborate with and um, at every opportunity. And he's just someone who's um, kind of touching that space from time to time. So he's obviously good to have on the radar screen. So, Reviewing the, that Rock Health report, um, you know, that just came out last week, it found, you know, U.S. digital health startups raised $10.3 billion in the first half of 2022. And obviously that's putting it, you know, on track to fall short of 2021. But obviously there's a lot of bright spots out there. You know, you just I think you just kind of covered one in, in a way. But what are some of your thoughts there on what to look for in that report or, you know, what's going to be better or worse out there? Yeah, you know, and I think especially as I know you don't have a lot of investors on the show, you know, things really have changed from an investment standpoint mm -hmm. uh, in 2022 compared to compared to last year. And, you know, there's less dollars going into this space. Valuations uh, that startups are raising at have come down significantly. The pace at which people are doing deals has come down significantly. And so, I think there's been some worry that, oh my gosh, is digital health changing? Are people no longer investing? And I think that's that's not the case. I think 2021 was more of an anomaly. There was right. probably too much money that went into the sector a little bit too fast um, without kind of the proper work digging into the companies, without the proper oversight. Um, and I think 2022 is a little bit more of a return to normal. You know, it's not that the sky is falling. We're still seeing good companies raise at very good valuations. It wasn't what it was last year, but it's at very healthy um, prices and companies are still growing. And, you know, unfortunately, it's not like we've solved healthcare. All the, all the problems are, are still there. Um, and so, you know, yes, things really have changed from last year. And, you know, I think some of the, let's call it visitors, who maybe invested in, in digital health for the first time, didn't know too much about it, you know, ran in and some of those people have left. But fundamentally, the market is still extremely strong for startups, you know, especially emerging in the space, especially at the Series A. Um, one of the notes from the Rock Health Report was Series A, you know, round sizes were roughly the same right. um, between this year and last year. There were, there were fewer There were fewer deals done, but it was roughly the same. But at the later stage, things were a little bit smaller, um, I think. And it's not just unique to, to digital health and healthcare across across the country. Valuations, especially at the later stage, fell as our public markets, you know, uh, shrink um, from the valuations that we saw previously. 
So, you know, those are a few things from the Rock Health report. Yes, the numbers are smaller. You know, we won't match the invested capital from 2022, but it's actually from 2021, excuse me, but it's actually probably a, a more sustainable amount. Yeah, I completely agree. I've, I'm a veteran and, and um, raised my first round in 1996. Is that 1997? So it's, um, you know, so I come from kind of the old school. And so I, I totally agree with you that we're returning back um, to, you know, the way it's, uh, you know, the way it really needs to be and the way it should be. And I completely agree with the um, the lack of oversight or, or the limited amount of oversight. I don't put, you know, to put anybody down, but it, we, we need to get back into kind of a little bit of the old school of, you know, MBOs and key performance indicators and KPIs, you know, just as a, from a leadership team perspective at a management team at board level, I think we, our cadence has got a little bit off on that regard, um, at least from what I saw out there. So I, I completely agree with, with, um, you know, with what you mentioned and also hopefully how we're right-sizing what we need to do. Um, but I, I, again, there's still, as you very well know, you know, a lot of money available. And if you have a, you know, a good team and a, and a good product and a, and a good strategy, there's, you know, <laughs> plenty of opportunity in, in, uh, in partners out there. So I think you would completely agree with yes. that. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So my show focuses a lot on best practices. I mean, I think my, my makeup of my audience is almost half uh, CEOs and C-suite executives, mainly from healthcare, but a little bit outside of healthcare, just li- listening to best practices. So what are some of the major themes or trends in healthcare or digital health today that you're seeing? Because I mean, we, as you mentioned earlier on, it's a quick evolving industry um, and that's usually a, a great thing. Um, but I also like to make sure that we keep our finger on the pulse. So from your perspective, your perch, um, what do you see as some of the major themes or trends today? Absolutely. Um, so, you know, today, you know, I think we had, you know, everyone knows now about, about digital health. And, mm-hmm. and I like to bring this up because you just go back a few years and I still remember in my, in, in my training, you know, I talked, hey, I'm interested in industry. I'm interested in what this intersection looks like between technology and healthcare. And people mostly, you know, laughed it off. If you're interested in this, go do something in biotech, go do something elsewhere. You know, it wasn't yet a serious field. And I think the interesting point we're at today with COVID, with the adoption of telemedicine and new tools is, you know, everyone now, digital health is top of mind, you know, transformation is top of mind for every health system, every leader. Mm-hmm. And so we can move on to, okay, so what does that mean? What do we do with this? So one key theme um, that's been on people's mind for the last few years, but is starting to accelerate is around what are we going to do with AI? And this is a really you know, uh, important topic for me and something we look at extremely uh, closely at GSR, mm-hmm. because fundamentally we do believe that AI will transform how we deliver healthcare. Um, and how we get care to patients. But the key question is how? And so when this, when people started first talking about AI, it was AI is going to replace every radiologist. AI is going to replace every doctor. We don't need these people mm-hmm. around the table. We're going to make clinical decisions. And to me as a physician, you know, that's actually really the wrong area to go for. It's the wrong area to think about automating. Mm-hmm. Where we want to play with AI um, is in the administration side of it. We want to play on the automation side for supply chain, for logistics, for non-patient care facing operations within healthcare, where we can really make the biggest leaps and do so in the safest way. And so I think people have been so focused around AI, around completely automating people, completely Mm -hmm. automating away clinical decision making. 
And while there is a role to play, we should really focus on augmentation and you know, moving people, giving people the right information, helping people out rather than making a full decision. Um, for, for anyone who might be familiar with autonomous vehicles, right. um, this means you know, giving people you know, lane assist, cruise control uh, within a healthcare system and within the decision-making, not trying to drive the car completely. Um, and I actually wrote about this as I've spent time uh, working in the autonomous vehicle space. So I wrote up a New England Journal of Medicine uh, perspective on you know, what we can learn in healthcare uh, from AI uh, in the autonomous vehicle world. And so that's one trend, you know, I really think uh, we need to focus on mm -hmm. and, you know, will be top of mind for systems that adopt these tools, gain these automation advantages, uh, but do so in a thoughtful way. Excellent. Excellent. Um, and for those that may join us a little late today, my special guest today is Justin Norton from GSR Ventures. So I think following up on that, and I completely agree, the only thing I will say before I ask my next question is, I also chaired and founded a think tank. And part of that, one of the studies we did a couple of years ago, we actually had a great uh, think tank right before COVID hit. And we haven't got back together since COVID hit, but um, I think it was our seventh, six or seventh think tank. And the area of AI and care, and one of the physicians spoke on this was, and I completely agree with, with your thoughts there, um, using it on the administrative side. And I think the part that we were, we were a little surprised when the doctor presented and said, you know, because I think his sentiments were similar to yours, even this was a couple of years ago, but where the doctors were a little bit more open to care assisted AI, not AI taken over any care in any way. But if there are aspects that care can be basically administratively can be augmented with AI and, and they're open to the idea of somebody helping them. But obviously the doctor makes the final decision. But if you want to serve up, you know, two or three very quick points or thoughts from to think of after analyzing data and then they're open to that. So it's more I call it care assisted AI. Or AI, yeah, care assisted AI. Um, so, or care assisted by AI. So, anyhow, that was one of the areas where, um, you know, I think that there was a little bit more openness and, and more opportunity on the care side. Um, so, but, but specifically, um, I think, what do you, so even on that side, and actually I've had a good friend of the show is John Holomka, and he does a lot on, um, on AI uh, as well. And he's mentioned a few best practices, but what are some of your thoughts? I mean, just regarding best practices on how we could, I mean, and you mentioned certainly on the automation side, but anything else that you would share for someone to say, Hey, you know what? We need to explore AI within our organization. Is there any, is there low hanging fruit or, or some areas that you could tell a, a hospital CEO or, you know, a health system or even a large practice or lab or, you know, where would AI benefit them or where they could start to look at in that, in that regard? Absolutely. Um, and so within, you know, what problems do you want to tackle? I think there's a few ways to look at it. You want to tackle a problem that has real business or clinical value. You want to make sure the problem you're solving with AI has real value. And then you want to make sure the problem is solvable mm -hmm. by AI. Right. And we can, we can do this easily with, you know, limited amounts of training data and get something working where everyone can see benefit. So actually, one of the companies in our portfolio we work with, um, a company called Artisite, uh, deploys AI solutions kind of as a platform to hospitals. And one of the things that they do is, you know, hospital CEOs are, you know, so overrun with, uh, you know, different point solutions. I need one solution for this, one solution for that. Is thinking about, okay, how do we deploy AI as a strategy across all of these different organizations, all of these different areas within the hospital? but start with something easy at first. 
So one example of this is, you know, around new hand washing regulations. Mm -hmm. uh, we know we need to measure this. It's it's a it's a measurable report that we need to report on. We need you know certain number of uh, observed hand washings um, in in a certain period of time, and we can do this with AI. We can use computer vision. We can put it outside of a patient room. It's a pretty easy problem. So we know we can have very high sensitivity and specificity for kind of what we're flagging to measure and it gets the job done. So start with something easy. Start with something that you know has business value, that you know is on your radar, and then you can get done. Then you can start to graduate to harder problems. How do you think about you know, fall detection in a patient room mm. for someone who might be worried? How do you think about OR efficiency? Where again, you don't need to shoot for perfection. You don't need to get to, I get everything right every single time, but wait a second, I can get value even if I'm only 90% of the way there. So you choose problems where you don't need to get a perfect solution, but using AI, I can get a fair amount of the way there. And I implement this in a way that the systems will get better over time. And so I choose a partner to work with, or I build a team that I get value immediately. And that value continues to grow as the AI solutions train and get better. And so those are just a few key points and best practices for thinking about how tactic, tactically, how do you deploy AI within a healthcare system? It's awesome. You would have been great in our think tank. <laughs> you're, uh, you're spot on. I love it. I love that. Happy to join anytime. I know it hasn't happened since COVID, but yeah. happy to fly out. Would love it. Um, so the other side is, and I love to share wisdom um, from my guests with my audience, and, and certainly you have access to a lot of businesses and, and leadership teams. So what wisdom would you share for CEOs and leadership teams, you know, listening to this show today or even out there in the industry? Because obviously, you have, I'm sure you have some great nuggets I'd love to share with them. Absolutely. Well, you know, one thing at the top of every mind of every CEO, every leader is, you know, what's happening with today's market? You know, how do I keep my team motivated? How do I keep my team together? Mm. Um, and I think the, the biggest thing that we see with kind of all the different leaders we work with is, you know, trying to be transparent with your team about what's going on and being consistent. Uh, with the information you're sharing and showing, you know, when those things start to turn off, that's when you start to see people leave. That's when you start to see people get anxious. That's when you start to see mistakes. And so being transparent and consistent uh, from the top can just really help teams kind of stay clear, stay focused in what's kind of really a, a choppy and turbulent time. Um, I think one other thing that, that, that we'll mention mm -hmm. uh, just that we see kind of in our best CEOs and leadership teams is, you know, picking a few key goals. Uh, I think this is so important. And, you know, when we see startups that we're working with today, try to tackle too many things. Uh, you just see that lack of focus start to start to affect people. And we make progress in a few different areas, but, you know, then we come together at a board meeting and it's, well, what have we accomplished? Where are we going? And we have lots of little things to talk about, but we can't really show progress. We can't show progress from one quarter to the next. And so those would just be two, two, two key takeaways kind of we see from working with our portfolio companies, especially um, in an interesting you know, macroeconomic environment today. Yeah, I, I think you're spot on. There's two things that I've done recently as a board member for one of my organizations, and that was actually to do a stack rank, but then really to, and that was for transparency as a leadership team say, hey, who are top performers, you know, really A through C, A through D, and, and you know, those A's and B's, we want to certainly coach up. And we want to you know, make sure that we retain them. We want to make the C's the B's if possible. D's, we want to make C's if we can keep coach them or 
you know, I say coach them up, coach them out. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So that's the transparency side. And then the, the OKRs and having, you know, say three goals as a leadership team, if, if it, that's simple. I mean, we, we, you know, we march quarterly towards these three goals. And that way, every single time we meet, we know that we're making demonstrable change or, you know, forward progress or if we're not, you know, let's adjust. But um, I, you know, love what you shared there and completely agree and literally just left meetings last week <laughs> in that regard. So it's awesome. So we have about one minute left um, or so. So I'm going to actually hyperspeed us a little bit and I'll probably have you back where I can tell we're going to have always have a good conversation. But one question I always like to ask my guests, and this usually turns into its own show with all the cool answers. Where do you go to get or be inspired? Oh, that's a great question. You know, one of the places I felt most inspired this past year was actually teaching. Um, So when I think of all the different activities and things that, you know, fit in a a VC Mm -hmm. schedule, the places I was most inspired was by my students. So I teach a course uh, called the Digital Future of Healthcare at Stanford. It's roughly a third medical students, roughly a third students from Stanford GSB, and roughly a third engineering students and students from elsewhere. And that, that, that they, they inspire me. I know my job is supposed to be to inspire them and talk to them about what the future of healthcare might look like. But really, you hear, you know, the, you see the most motivated, open, selfless people asking questions, mm-hmm. being curious about what things could look like. And, you know, not coming in with ego or assumptions about how things, how things are, but just imagining how things should be. And, you know, that motivates me. Uh, it keeps me away from, you know, the cynicism uh, mm-hmm. that sometimes we fall into as healthcare and as, you know, as a profession, as, uh, as, as physicians. And so, you know, being around students early, right, eye, it really motivates me to say, okay, what's right? How do, we sh- how do we shoot for this? And even though it's hard, let's make sure we keep trying. I love it, Justin. Phenomenal answer. And um, thank you so much. You are a great guest and we'll certainly have you back, my friend. Awesome. Thank you so much. You got it. And thank you to everyone for joining us and taking time out of your busy schedule to join the show. Um, as always, you can track us on Twitter at HIT Advisor and use the hashtag ThisJustinRadio so you can respond to your comments from the show. If you missed any of the show or want to hear more, all the shows are posted on Apple iTunes, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. And obviously, you can check us out weekdays at 2.30 p.m. Eastern, 11.30 a.m. Pacific. And if you want to catch any more of the, the content, you can check us out also at JustinBarnes.com. Thanks, everyone, and stay safe. Oh,